0: to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Bible Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Pastor Levi Secord, and I'd like to thank you for listening. Christ Bible Church exists to bring all of Christ into all of life, and in doing so, we glorify God. This podcast series is not meant to be a replacement for the local church. It is not meant to replace your regular gathering with Christ's people across Christ's earth. And so we encourage you to use these sermons to bring glory to God, to bring all of Christ into all of life, and to strengthen and encourage one another in his name. With all of that in mind, let us turn our hearts and our minds now to the preaching of God's word, and in it may we see and glorify and emulate our Savior. Why are people like uh, Jordan Peterson and Andrew Tate popular among young men today? This is a question we really need to wrestle with. There are lots of reasons for it. And one is the seeming incompetence of much of our society in being able to understand and to raise young men. There is really a a hostility in many quarters towards masculinity, and especially even some quarters of the Christian church Now we shouldn't think about this as anything new. Raising young men has always been a challenge. Like entire societies throughout world history will have built a lot of their life around how to produce the right kind of man from the molding clay that is young men. And you don't really find that with young women throughout society or history. This is because within young men is this bundle of energy and this bundle of potential for either great good or great evil. And a society will generally stand or fall by what their young men turn into. This is both encouraging, and as a father of three young men, terrifying. Peterson, for example, in his book uh, called 12 Rules for Life, he offers guidance for young men to turn their life around. Here are 12 rules that if you do this, you will, you will have a good life. We also have the online manosphere, as pictured by men like Andrew Tate, Who offer another path forward to masculinity through machismo, material success, being a jerk, and just in general being a womanizer. The path here is one towards death, but it's at least a manly death, I guess. (laughs) Followers of Tate recognize that there is a real problem, a feminization of society, but their solution is no solution at all. People on the left though say masculinity is the problem, it's toxic, and we need to get rid of it. The manosphere we are going to, in response to that, be even more masculine. a type of hyper-masculinity that is just as bit as destructive as the effeminate kind found in many churches. And so becoming a man really is a tricky balance of both bravery, strength, assertiveness, and leading mixed with humility, self-control, and self-sacrifice. As our men go, We all go. What is at the heart of our issues is what uh, Doug Wilson calls father hunger. We have had for generations um, young men growing up without fathers in the home. Fathers who weren't in the home at all all, or who were in the home but were completely absent and actually fathering uh, their sons. We have men who have been castrated by feminism and have been castrated by the women in their lives, and so we have men who actually start acting like they are women. And you wonder why our young men and women are confused as to what is a man and what is a woman. That confusion started long before when we had men who started acting like women, and women who started acting like men well before they ever started chopping off body parts and taking hormones. We have, in a lot of ways, in the way our society has been built in the last 50 years or so, we have tried to discipline the maleness out of our young men and they either conform by becoming less manly or they utterly rebel this of course has a tremendously negative impact on our women they are also lied about about who they are but they are also desperately want and desperately need good men around solomon himself was aware of the need for instructing young men this book was written as a father to his son. A letter of wisdom saying, here is what you need for life. But this book is also scripture. It's not limited to just men. It's the word of God to us all. There is, as we saw in the first message of the Syria, a call for wisdom for everyone. And today we are going to start addressing certain demographics that are found within the book of Proverbs message is titled wisdom for young men and young women and that leads to a very natural question what do i mean by young men and young women i'm not going to give you an age at my own peril so i'll I'll lean squishy lefty and just say you can be young if you identify as young i guess but that leads um to the other question though what if i'm not one of those maybe i should just leave the service or or tune out Now, a lot of the wisdom that we're going to cover here applies to everyone, but it's focused on young men and young women. And while you may or may not fall into one of those demographics, you certainly know some people who do. Are you a parent? Are you a grandparent? Are you a church member? A neighbor? Do you interact with someone who would fall into this demographic? Well, then this message will hopefully benefit you in how you interact with them, how you encourage them, how you bear with them, how you model wisdom, to such people we are after all designed to live together with one another to encourage and bear with one another so this message will maybe help you to be a good example for a young man or a young woman or instruct you how to pray for our young men and our young women so today from proverbs we examine wisdom for young men and young women Throughout the book, Solomon, we should not miss this. Throughout this book, Solomon describes two very different attractive women. Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. And this makes sense because young men, follow me here, are attracted to young women. And it underscores something we intuitively know. It is very important who you marry. Both wisdom and folly are personified not just as women, but as beautiful and desirable women. Young men are particularly attracted to beautiful women. Again, this should not be earth-shattering. And while that is often distorted by sin, this is a part of God's design. Women are beautiful, And men long for that beauty. And so every parent worries about what kind of a man his daughter will marry or what kind of a woman his son will marry. Marriage has the potential to be a tremendous blessing or a tremendous curse. And we're going to deal with that more later in this series. But Solomon here is training his son to desire and to choose the right kind of beautiful woman and to avoid, with all prejudice, the wrong kind. And this points to a larger truth, the truth of the choice between wisdom in your life and folly. And while he writes to his sons, this does not exclude young women. If Solomon was writing to his daughters, I think he would have personified wisdom and folly as attractive young men. In other words, both Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly have male counterparts. Both Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly have male counterparts. Also, young women can learn about what their character should be like by comparing Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. To put it plainly, young women, you do not want to be loud woman folly. You should want to be like Lady Wisdom. Solomon in chapter 9 gives us characteristics of both of these women. And then we will flesh those out. There are four characteristics of lady wisdom, or the, the wise woman, in verses 1 through 6. First, you will notice that she is productive. She works hard, and she works diligently. Solomon says she has built her house with seven pillars. Of course, that number seven is very important. It signifies a completeness. like She has completed her work, and she has done an excellent job. We also read that she has slaughtered beasts, prepared wine, and she has set her table. She literally has everything set out there ready for anyone to come in and enjoy. Conversely, if you look at Lady Folly, she is sitting in her house. It's not an accident. Solomon is comparing and contrasting. You have Lady Wisdom there who's diligent in working and Lady Folly who is sitting around occupying herself with herself all day. The stereotype's exist for a reason. There's a reason why soap operas have been popular for decades. I am shocked in my own demographic of how often uh, moms who are busy spend a lot of time online complaining about how they have no time to get things done. Of course, there are men who do the same thing. Second, you should note that Lady Wisdom is concerned with helping and serving others. Note that her work is not all about Herself, she's not puffing herself up. It's not for her own pleasure. Though she probably enjoys her work, the aim is other-directed. She is not making a feast for herself. She is not getting drunk on her own wine. She is setting a table for others. Her life is motivated by sacrificial love. She even then sends out other young women, her helpers, to recruit and to train the simple. I think you should note in these two passages also, that both women are calling out to the simple. The wise woman is, and the foolish woman. They both want others to come in, but for different reasons. Third, the wise woman is directing others toward God. This is her call. Leave your simple ways, and live and walk in the way of insight. She is offering instruction in truth, the fear of the Lord, her conduct is directed by God's Word and God's standards. You should see in this picture of Lady Wisdom an appeal to the two great commandments. She is loving God and she's loving others. Fourth, the wise woman is ultimately life-giving. In this life, and the next. She builds houses. She instructs. She calls out to us. In verse 6, she lives Instead of perishing and falling, as she offers life to us, such a woman is a blessing to everyone she meets. Such a woman is more precious than diamonds or gold. I can say this with with much confidence. We have many such examples of such women in this church. They pour out their lives for others, they give their life for others. They love God and they love others. And Christ's Bible Church is blessed for having them. Young women, this is the type of woman you should want to grow to become. Don't become a shallow bimbo that you find online. Young men, this is the type of wim- woman you should desire to build a life with. Not the shallow bimbo you find online. Solomon then in verses 13-16 through gives us six characteristics of the foolish woman. The type of woman that a young woman should not want to be and that young men should avoid. First, lady folly is loud. Solomon writes, the woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. This is the type of girl who is always saying, hey, look at me. Hey, pay attention to me like we literally have today a whole group of women who are famous not for great accomplishments but are famous for being famous <laughs> they've done nothing but they got a lot of reality TV shows they are often the loud women women mentioned here who know nothing they are fools and if you're paying attention young men No matter how good they may look, when they open their mouth, they become instantly ugly. If you're paying attention. Again, young women, there are certainly young men like this too. Who have a veneer of masculine charm or good looks. But when they open their mouths, they reveal their character. And my advice would be run in the other direction. A woman who loudly demands attention, especially from men, is telling you everything you need to know about her. She should be avoided. This does not mean, young women, that you should become a stone to all men and that you shouldn't have any desire for attention from men. No, that's not how God has made the world. But there's a difference. There's a stark difference. Don't be the type of loud, boisterous, or prideful woman who cannot get along unless she has all the attention on herself. Similarly, second, the foolish woman is stuck up and filled with pride. Solomon says she takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling out to those who pass by. The Lady Folly has a very high opinion of herself. A very high opinion of her attractiveness. Mark and avoid. Third, Lady Folly preys on foolish men with her attractiveness. She chews up the simple man who sees a pretty face and runs after it. Like This is, in, in, or in essence, the porn industry of our day. The allure of a pretty woman has chewed up and spit out many a man throughout world history. Men, when it comes to pretty women, We often become idiots. And this has been displayed, again, countless times. Fourth, the foolish woman encourages evil. Remember, wisdom and folly are linked to right and wrong. She says to her victims, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Let me tell you what she's saying here. The evil is worth it. It's worth it. And the stolen water and the secret bread here are not actual water and bread. It's a euphemism. You'll figure it out. But again, folly is linked with sin and evil. It is a moral category. Elsewhere, Solomon describes such a woman as having feasted, wiping her mouth, and then she says, I've done nothing wrong. I haven't done anything wrong. I've followed my heart and this is what it told me to do. She has a seared conscience and a hard heart. Simple application. Don't be that person. Don't be attracted to that person. Fifth, she is selfish. She does all of this for herself. She enters into relationships, even marriage and parenting, because she thinks it's going to complete her And make her happy. The problem is, is when that's your end goal and those things don't make you happy, you have every justification in your own heart and mind to leave. Because it's all about you anyways. This is the exact opposite of what the Bible says love is. Love is not a feeling, but an act of the will. Love is not butterflies in your stomach, but it is bending down to wash someone else's feet. Lady Wisdom sets her table for others. Lady Folly seeks you so that you will seek her by giving her what she wants. It's selfishness through and through. Sixth, if you go this way, you will die. This is where it ends in verse 18. But he, that is the simple man, does not know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Sheol is the Hebrew word for the grave. Whether you find the male or the female version of this, the end is the same, death. Literally, you're entering a house that has bodies buried in the backyard, bodies underneath the floorboards. This is where folly always leads. Lady or Mr. Folly brings death. So don't be that, and don't desire it. And yet we're stuck with this this problem that both of the two women are still attractive. Both of them still call out to the simple. Both of them have their fans. So what's the issue here? Is the issue that they're attractive? That they're good looking? Christians often turn this way. We, we say things to women that basically equal holiness equals being frumpy. Holiness means rejecting physical beauty. But I think that misses the mark. God himself is described as beautiful. God himself created beauty. But we have a tendency to take those things and to pervert them. It's not an accident that these two women are described as physically attractive. So what are we to take from this? Solomon says this in Proverbs eleven twenty two, Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Let me summarize that. Character trumps looks. For our women considering men, Character trumps personal or personality, success, or whatever it is you find attractive in a man. Men are simple. I know what they find attractive in women. Women are a mystery. This creates a whole set of practical questions. Should women, for example, care about how they look? Yes and no. Let me speak. um, Plainly, as if I haven't already been. Women as image bearers, and really humans all as image bearers, are all beautiful. When I'm talking about beauty here, I'm not talking about whatever you think the cultural definition of beauty is today. Every image bearer bears beauty because they reflect God. To be human is to be beautiful. Whatever God has given you, young women... Receive it with joy and thankfulness and do not fall into covetousness of what God has given to somebody else. But also don't fall into a pride, look at me type of attitude. That's lady folly. But you should also steward whatever God has given you. It is not wrong for you to take care of what God has given to you and to present it well in a holy manner. But note that the number one thing that will either enhance or detract from your beauty is your character. And while physical beauty is not meaningless and is of some value, it is not as important as your character. Young men, you should be listening very carefully. No matter how good a woman looks, if you've been married to her for 10 years and she all of a sudden reveals that she's Lady Folly, she's not going to be very attractive. Women, your physical beauty can be used for good or for evil. How you dress and present yourself does matter. All women know that they can get attention from men if they dress a certain way. But that is not the attention you should want. And young men shouldn't look to give that attention when it is offered to them. Now there's been a lot of angst in Christian circles over the the, uh, issue of modesty. I'm not going to give you a definition here because I don't think you can take out a ruler. And... uh, Figure it out. And it is somewhat culturally bound. Somewhat. But uh, everything I just said could get me accused of blaming women for men's sin. And I want to make it very, very clear here. I'm not doing that. So, So listen very carefully. The men who turn and fall for Lady Folly are responsible for their own turning and falling for her. But she is also responsible for her actions of tempting them. Both are responsible. We have all seen women who are intentionally trying to evoke lust from men. If you haven't, then I think you're probably living under a rock right now. They are responsible for doing so. And hear me, the men who respond by lusting after them are responsible for their own lust. I want you to think of something here. Think of Christ in the the wilderness being tempted. Satan approaches Christ, and he tempts him. Is Satan guilty there of presenting the temptation? Is he sinning? Yes. But Jesus didn't respond by sinning. You can be tempted and overcome it. And not sin. It is true that even when women dressed modestly, men can and will still lust. And that's on them. Because I guarantee you that somewhere deep in the Islamic territories where the women are covered head to toe in their burqa, the men are still lusting. The issue for both men and women is the heart. And if you have your heart right, you will dress right. Back to the, to the gold ring in the pig's snout. The problem, we have to acknowledge here, is not that the gold ring is a gold ring, the problem is not the attractiveness of the woman. It's the setting. It's that the gold ring is found in the snout of a filthy, dirty, unclean pig. Like there's a discord here. Like this ring shouldn't be here, it should be somewhere else. And it's the setting that makes the gold ring undesirable. So beauty's not the problem. It's the sin of the human heart that is. Or if I could put it a a slightly different way in the new creation, each and every one of us will be far more beautiful and far more attractive than whoever you think is the most attractive person in the world today. And part of that will be because sin will be gone. Actually, really, the heart of it will be that sin is gone. Character trumps looks. Your attractiveness will be magnified or tainted by your character. So I want to make some rapid-fire applications here for our young men and our young women from Proverbs. I want to note here that we have two more sermons coming up. One that will be wisdom for women and one that will be wisdom for men that are coming in a few weeks. So we're going to, we're going to address this again in a more broad category. But here are some applications from the book of Proverbs for young men and young women who want to grow up and be holy. The first to both. Be teachable. Proverbs 1, eight through 8-9 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. It is of great importance, young men and young women, who you let speak into your life. Do not become disciples of Taylor Swift or Andrew Tate. Instead, listen to your parents. As hard as that is for teenagers. Listen To your parents, if they are wise and godly. Find a godly man or woman who is further down the course than you to mentor you. Who has been there. Who has done that. Who will encourage you, offer you wisdom, and even call you out when you're being foolish. Folly is marked by thinking you know it all and that you don't need any help. Young men, avoid laziness. Avoid fear and anger. These are the sins that tempt men in particular. And they are sins that we have to put off with extreme prejudice. Consider these words of wisdom from Proverbs 16.32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. Like you want to show yourself to be a man through your physical strength? Great! Great! The glory of a young man is his physical strength. But Solomon tells you that your emotional strength is far greater than that. Let me read it to you again. He who is slow to anger is better, let me rephrase it, stronger than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit is stronger than he who takes a city. A real man can control his anger. Control his emotions. You can bench press 450 pounds, but you can't control your emotions. You're a weak man. Learn how to control yourself. That is the strength men need to have first. Don't be ruled then by fear and laziness. I mean, this is one of my favorite uh, Proverbs here. 26.13 The sluggard says, there is a lion in the road. There is a lion in the street. You know what that is? That's a terrible excuse. The sluggard is so lazy that he invents absurd fears so that he is justified to sit around and do nothing. One of the besetting sins of young men of our day is passivity, fear, and laziness. Such excuses will kill you and turn you into less of a man. Young men need to act and be proactive and to take risks. Like Solomon packs so much into that. There's a lion in the road. Like the sluggard may actually believe that and be living in fear. Like I can't do that. The lion might get me. How many times have I encountered such irrational fears from young men who know they should be doing something, but they say, "Well, what if I fail? What if you fail? You're failing by doing nothing. You're worried about some mythical lion." in the street and this is especially true in pursuing young women you need to take a risk and yes it will hurt when you fall flat on your face and she says no but it won't kill you you can pick yourself up you can learn from it and you'll get better and stronger as you overcome to be a man is to be charged with killing dragons and you have to begin by killing the small ones in your own heart the ones right in front of you young women Avoid laziness and loose lips. Men in their sin tend to be more physical. Women in their sin tend to be more verbal. Not always true, but generally. Hard work is not just a requirement for young men, but also for young women. Look at Proverbs 9 1 through 6 again. Look at Lady Wisdom's diligence, look at her hard work, and then look at Lady Folly's selfishness. Women as been more verbal than men. They're, your character will be judged by the words you use. Proverbs is full of such warnings. Proverbs 15.28 The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. The wise man is slow to speak, but the foolish man just blurts it out. Proverbs thirty-one twenty-six, describing the ideal woman, shows you that she's not then, this is not a call to never say anything. How is the Proverbs 31 woman described? She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction. is on her tongue. Be known as a thoughtful woman through your speech. In other words, control your tongue so it doesn't control your life. Lady Folly is loud and careless with her words, don't be that. Give you an example. Just the other day I was sitting down in one of my favorite places in the world, Chick-fil-A. I was having lunch and I was trying to eat my dinner in peace. I was there by myself, and there was a loud woman there. She was going around in a joking but loud and obnoxious manner, talking over everyone and talking to all of, of the employees. You know what she was talking about? She was asking, she's like, Do you know a good man that I could date? And then she started to list all of her expectations. She was doing this somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but she was listing all of her expectations of what her standards would be. And these standards were so high that she didn't want a man who had a felony or too many baby mamas. It seemed like she was speaking from her her bad experience. And really, those are kind of good standards, but they're really low standards. I, I, I sympathize. And I hope that if she doesn't know Christ, that she comes to know him. But she continued in her loudness and her disturbing of everyone's dinner, thinking she was um, funny, but she really wasn't. And the only thing that kept ringing in my head, and I don't mean this with an ounce of malice, though I was a little perturbed at the time. I thought, what makes you think that such a man would want anything to do with you? Both men and women have a tendency to overinflate how great of a catch they are. You're a sinner too. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. No matter your demographic. Men and women are both image bearers and men and women are both sinners. Men tend to sin in one direction and women tend to sin in the other direction. And part of wisdom is realizing where your bents are and working to strengthen them. But we should note that while men and women may sin differently, they have the same Savior. The blood of Christ covers the sins of men and it covers the sins of women. His grace is not only sufficient to atone for both men and women, but His Spirit is powerful enough to transform you into Lady or Mr. Wisdom. And that is something we need to hear. The call of wisdom is a call to intentional growth. Grace-drenched effort in work and relying upon this truth that the one who is in you is greater than your bents and your sins. It is, he is greater than the obstacles you may face. The godly young man and the godly young woman believes in Christ and is washed by His blood and is empowered by Him. So live like it. Not just trusting your salvation, but your day-to-day sanctification. Knowing Christ and what He has done for you should give you the boldness of one who is completely forgiven, the one who knows He is kept by God's strength, and the one who is informed by His Word. Therefore, young men, young women, and everyone else, fear the Lord and walk in boldness towards life. Wisdom and grace grant you an otherworldly wisdom and boldness and confidence. For Christ is our Lord, He is our path, He is our wisdom, and He is our Savior. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you again this morning that you have spoken to us in your word. May you help all of us to both desire the right kind of people and to be the right kind of people. That we would not be Lady or Mr. Folly. That we would not be foolish, selfish, and wicked people. But that by your grace, by the work of your Son Jesus, that we would be transformed. And that we might walk the path of wisdom. And in our lives, may we reflect the power of Christ to save, to renew and to transform. It's in his name we pray. Amen.